0: Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000.
1: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. What's up, Chicago, and welcome in. Open phone lines for you 312 332 ESPN 332 3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweet J Hood. Coming up, we will start Summer of Football early. We usually do it at 8 o'clock. We're going to do it at 7.30 because we've got a boatload of NFL Bears to talk about. So we're going to start at 7.30 because Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace met the media today with their Zoom calls. So if you missed it earlier, you'll be able to hear some of what Nagy and Pace had to say. So we'll do Summer of Football at 7.30 and get your reaction to what they have to say about the upcoming season Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus is going to be with us as well. If you're a Pro Football Focus person, you're going to like uh, Steve in about an hour from now. We'll hear from him and get his thoughts on the upcoming Bears season as well and a really thorough breakdown of the quarterback situation with Foles and Trubisky. So keep it locked right here on ESPN 1000 for Under the Hood. If you're a football fan, I got you uh, starting at 730 as we start some of our football coming up at the bottom. So... The big story today is not necessarily what's happening in 2020. The big story is what happened in 2017. Because Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred defended his punishment of the Houston Astros for stealing signs in 2017 and said Major League Baseball will institute new rules to police the use of technology before this season. This was written around spring training of this year so there was i remember watching this big interview that rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball had with carl ravage and he explained why he didn't punch any of the astros players for their roles in the scandal which involved illegal use of technology to decipher their opponent's signs to relay them to houston batters in real time and i remember rob Manfred saying that Yeah, I understand. I understand people's desire to have the players pay a price for what went on here. I think that if you watch the players watch their faces when they have to deal with this issue publicly, they have paid a price. It's based on their faces, says Rob Manfred. Talking about those Astros players are still on the ball club in twenty twenty based on what happened in twenty seventeen as they for some people feel like they stole the World Series because they were banging banging on drums and banging on things to let the runners know and let the also the batters know that, hey, here comes a fastball. Hey, if I do it twice, it's a curveball. All that stuff, right? There's been cheating in baseball and cheating in sports for a long time, but since we're talking about baseball, let's narrow the focus. talk about baseball. Old Comiskey Park used to have a flashing light to batters to let them know if a fastball's coming. There used to be a lot of different ways where uh, a third-base coach, a first-base coach someone in the scoreboard in one of these old ballparks can let you know what's coming and what signs are out there for runners. All that stuff. It's been going on for a long time. Along with, of course, in the modern day, steroid abuse and performance enhancing drugs. Give a player an inch, some will take that inch and extend it to a mile. As we talk about this with Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So I remember... Rob Manfred sang at the time in March of this year that to say that the players from the Astros are skipping down the road and into spring training happy. That's just a mischaracterization of what we are. Having said that, the desire to have actual discipline imposed on them, I understand it. I understand it in a perfect world. It would have happened. We ended up where we ended up in pursuit of really, I think the most, Uh, the most important goal of getting the facts and getting them out there for people to know it. So no players were punished for the Astros cheating their way to a World Series championship. However, there was a suspension of general manager Jeff Lunau and manager A.J. Hinch for the entire 2020 season, stripping the organization of four draft picks and levying a $5 million fine. If you're a player on the other side, battling against the Astros when you're trying to do it quote unquote right or as right as possible and you come to find out that the Manfred administration has decided that no players would have a suspension no players would have to sit out just like the front of the those two front office people did the manager and the general manager and you're probably pissed off you're probably pissed off and you feel like you've been cheated Because as close as possible to being clean, you're trying to do it the right way. And the Astros couldn't care less about what you think. So now we fast forward from spring training, where that edict was brought down by the commissioner. And now we go to last night's game. And you knew it. It was coming. You just didn't know when it was coming, though. Astros-Dodgers. Dodgers reliever Joe Kelly who was not even involved with the Dodgers during this time of the cheating by the Astros that year. Joe Kelly was suspended by Major League Baseball for eight games for his actions in the bottom of the sixth inning of Tuesday night's 5-2 Dodgers win against the Astros. Kelly was, uh, had, a, had appealed, and of course he's going to play tonight because he appealed it, um, so his discipline will be held in abeyance. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts received a one-game suspension and also, uh, bench coach Bob Guerin will manage the club tonight. And Houston manager Dusty Baker was fined, clearly, for talking about it openly. So let's go back in time, Tyler, and let's hear from Joe Kelly. So Joe Kelly, the pitcher, in again, to paint the pitcher, he didn't hit anybody. But what happened is he threw a pitch in the area of the head of Alex Bregman and later taunted Carlos Correa, which led to the bench's clearing. There was no punches thrown. Everyone just came out there just a jaw jack, but nothing else happened. But let's go back in time and hear from Joe Kelly last night about what happened. It was a ball, obviously. Uh, wasn't my, my best pitch. Um, I mean, it was ball four and
2: walked walk him, and never good to put a guy on when you are leading the game. So, uh, some
1: that, you know, I wasn't feeling the greatest, wasn't the most comfortable. It um, took me a while to my mechanics. I mean, I, I threw my curveball. Um, I guess I didn't take
2: too kind to it, a, a, a curveball. Uh, I mean, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, Kelly's uh, suspension is because the previous suspension was for intentionally throwing, according to Chris Young, uh, the vice president of baseball operations. And again, C- Kelly says or Young says that Kelly threw a pitch in the area of the head of Alex Bregman and later taunted Car- Carlos Correa. That was the re- the reason, the bottom-line reason uh, for the suspension eight games. Okay, so then Dusty Baker weighed in and gave his thoughts on what happened.
2: You know, balls get away sometimes, you know, but not that many in the big leagues. And, uh, you, know, uh, it, you know, when you throw a 3-0 fastball over a guy's head, I mean, now you're flirting with his, uh, you know, ending his career. And then a couple other guys, balls were close. Um, and then, you know, what really enraged everybody is when, you know, he told Carlos, I mean, he struck him out. And, uh, and, he, and he told him, nice swing bitch and see what, he, what are you supposed to do then. And then what upset me is that the umpires warned us. You know, why don't you warn him? You know, he's the one throwing a, throwing the a ball. And, the, you know, he's the one that started this this mess in the first place. So, um, um, you know, I, didn't, I, I didn't like it at all.
1: Dusty Baker uh, weighing in the manager of the Astros. Joe Kelly, according to Lance McCullers Jr., who was uh, with the Astros in 2017, he said this about Joe Kelly of the Dodgers. He said, Joe Kelly threw a ball behind Bregman's head on a 3-0 on purpose. Not only did he take it upon himself to send a message, but he wasn't even part of the team during that season. We knew coming into the game that he likes to go off script. It is what it is. It was done unprofessionally. What he did after he punched out Correa was unprofessional. Running into the dugout was unprofessional. So it is what it is. We're here to play baseball. We just want to win. That's it. Well, You knew that this was going to happen. Didn't know it was going to happen with Joe Kelly, but you knew it was going to happen, number one. But number two, that this punishment that is levied by Major League Baseball does not fit the crime of what is happening. This eight-game suspension is like 22 games uh, missed in a 162-game season. They didn't even prorate this. It's a 60-game season that we're dealing with right now. And I'm just disappointed, and I'm not surprised. It's Major League Baseball. I'm, I'm disappointed that they look at Kelly and say, okay, he threw behind Bregman. Uh, he was throwing at batters for against for the Astros, which you knew was going to happen. And you give him an eight-game suspension, eight games out of 60. And for some on the surface, like, oh, you know, it's just a week. No, it's not the point, is that you have to be able to prorate this, I believe, to fit the model of a 60 game season tyler I, I look at this like okay if it's 60 games then i'm thinking three i'm thinking a heavy fine but you got to keep it moving because you think joe Kelly's going to be the last one that's going to be thrown at the astros and, and here's the other thing it's up to the umpires now to measure intent are you really trying to throw at the astros knowing that they cheated or not and so you know this was intentional because it's the first time this is happening uh, in, in abundance um, like this to the Astros. But the point is, is that there's going to be others that's going to hit Astro uh, batters. Are you going to suspend them for eight games, or does that feel more like two, well, more like three?
3: Here's why I think the eight isn't the worst thing in the world and maybe is acceptable for Joe Kelly. It's because it's a history thing. Like, if someone has tested... Positive for PEDs and then test positive again, they don't get the 60 games. They get, what is it, like 120 instead. Yeah. And so this is a combination of things. A, MLB knew they had to put their foot down on people throwing at the Astros. So I get that. Okay, maybe you tack on an extra game there. And then on top of that, he also has this history of throwing at guys, whether he was with the Red Sox or earlier in his time with the Dodgers. So since he's a repeat offender and then MLB also has to put their mark down and say, all right, here's the, the standard, I think that's why this ends up being eight games It's because there's multiple factors that went into this. He didn't mean it. <laughs> Was he can... to going to go to Manfred and a, a, a written apology or write on the whiteboard, I will not hit Astros again.
1: He'll do it anyway. <laughs> like a, he doesn't like care. He... That's the thing. Joe, Joe Kelly does not care. He wasn't gonna kill him with those pitches, because you see how I mean. I think that the if I don't first of all I don't believe in throwing at batters as a baseball Nor fan, do I. or I don't believe in. I think that that's really old school, and if it's really old school, by the way, do it like it was back in the day. Like if you're going spikes up and you're going to be more physical, imagine baseball being a physical sport. Actually, I actually saw that in my lifetime as a kid, where baseball actually was physical. You're going down that first base line, and you get the second baseman trying to turn the double uh and all of a sudden that runner puts a forearm shiver underneath your chin and it's not a suspension or you're not thrown out of the game that was a thing i actually saw that uh but it's not even as physical as it once was and you knew this was going to happen eight games i say three or four and a heavy fine but eight that's a, that's really really hefty to me it's hefty. yeah he's a repeat offender so if he's a repeat offender, then, then take him out of the sport the entire, for the entire season, if, you, if you're that strong about it.
3: I mean, they, well, they essentially took almost 20% of his season right here. So I think that's a lot, especially for relievers, who they're available not every day, but you're, you're available two out of every three days pretty much. So I, I think that MLB gave him the right number of games. That's a lot.
1: That's a lot. And you're going to work, be working in the front office. Of course, you're going to support them. <laughs> this is you're what gonna... you want. This, this is your wish. You wouldn't do that to them, though. So I might have given them Ten oh that's that's so harsh as you go down the offices to your you know drinking your latte as the commissioner of baseball Mm
3: -hmm. spread the avocado on my toes
1: (laughs) 10 games for you joe kelly 10 games what else is happening today (laughs) i just keep it moving right go back to tiktok now (laughs) i just think it's i think three or four of us is fine And, and by the way my, my, I guess my bigger point is, what about what's next, right? What's next? If someone else throws that or mistakenly hits the Astros, i saying say this was a mistake, but if someone does let one fly against the Astros, that guy's suspended to too? That, that's, you know, how do you measure someone's heart? I guess we're going to find out in these 60 games. Coming up next, there is a changing of the guard for the IHSA when it comes to fall sports, and Notre Dame has found a conference. Next on UTH. It's under the hood.
0: Follow us on the gram at IGJhood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000.
1: Michael O'Brien is excellent when it comes to covering high school sports in the state of Illinois. And he puts this uh, column out this afternoon. IHSA moves football to the spring. Girls volleyball and boys soccer will also move to the spring in the IHSA's new sports calendar. So there won't be any high school football in Illinois this fall. The announcement was expected to come from the IHSA today. But Governor Pritzker used his COVID-19 press conference to scoop the IHSA and announced new restrictions and guidelines for youth high school and adult recreational sports. Craig Anderson, the IHSA executive director was caught by surprise. He said the governor was originally supposed to speak at 2.30, not noon. We're in the middle of our IHSA board meeting, and I got a text that says that the governor is going to move the press conference up. Students and parents all over the state were eagerly awaiting the 2 o'clock news conference. Their Pritzker's surprise announcement further uh, politicized the contentious debate on whether or not they should restart uh, high school sports. So the major change has football, girls volleyball, and boys soccer moving from the fall to the spring season. And Dunbar football player Mikel Fowler says, that's a huge relief for me. I was really worried about the possibility of it being canceled. So that's it. That's the story. The high school sports year, which traditionally was divided in three seasons, will consist of four shortened seasons this year. Fall will run from August 10th to October 24th. Winter is November 16th to February 13th. Spring from February 15th to May 1st. And the new summer session will run from May 3rd to 26th of June. Fall sports include boys and girls golf, girls tennis, boys and girls cross country, girls swimming and diving, and the winter sports, of course. I think we know, you know, bowling, girls gymnastics, basketball, wrestling, boys swimming. So that's uh, that's interesting, and it's a, a mixed reaction, obviously, for coaches knowing that the uh, fall sports are going to be moved up. Uh, in a different way. So that's... uh, (laughs) And Pritzker with the scoop, by the way, that was supposed to come from the IHSA, and he mentioned that in his COVID-19 press conference earlier today. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app, but don't let me bury the lead. How many people, including Tyler, has been pounding the pulpit saying that Notre Dame needs to join a league, join a league? Well, the ACC board of directors voted Wednesday today to... Proceed with an 11-game football season that begins the weekend of September 12th and includes FBS Independent Notre Dame playing a full league schedule, but only if public health guidance allows. Now, let me go to that tweet from our guy Pete Sampson. We always have him on during our college football shows. Uh, And a frequent guest here on Under the Hood, he covers Notre Dame for TheAthletic.com. And so Pete Sampson says this, Notre Dame, right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000, Notre Dame's schedule that they lost, no USC, no Stanford, no Wisconsin, no Western Michigan, and no Arkansas. Notre Dame's uh, schedule added, North Carolina uh, on the road, against Syracuse at home, Boston College on the road, and against Florida State at home. We will see on Navy, but that's the game Notre Dame wants to keep. I tell you what, Tyler Key, that is uh, a softer schedule <laughs> what they have because
3: You talking w- smack about Syracuse? What what's nah, this? No. Nah, no. no. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's interesting. Much Yeah, because, I mean, you look at USC, Stanford, Wisconsin. Those are three major powers. And while North Carolina's on the up and up, up and up and good, formidable program with some some staying power, those are two different things. Florida State, yes, they've got that behind them. They've got the name, but they're, yeah, they're not the Florida State that they used to be. So, I mean, I'm not going to say they got four softballs here, but they got... Four softballs. Yeah.
1: I think they got three and a half, but... I, yeah. uh, stop trying to take it for the orange. I mean, I, no, it's I, it's for UNC. Ah, uh, yeah, we'll see
3: on the road at UNC. That's not going to be an easy game. No, um,
1: but they'll win. That's winnable. It's
3: oh, it's definitely winnable. All four of those games are winnable. I mean, all four of the games that they lost on the schedule were winnable too, or five, I guess. But I think the interesting here thing here is also the fact that yes, the ACC released this big grid of of games but they're still making teams play one non-conference game as well. So Notre Dame's going to have to find a way to get that non-conference game, and right now that's why they're they're hanging on to Navy as hopefully that team that they can keep on the schedule.
1: Arkansas was going to be a win for the Irish. Um, was that? Yeah. I just got Phil Steele's magazine. I just can't reach it from here. <laughs> but I was going to look at the schedule and see. I, I, I'm i assuming that was going to be a home game for Notre Dame, right, against Arkansas. Probably, they yeah. They weren't going to Fayetteville for that? I, don't, I guess I not. Get, or
3: maybe it's a home-and-home, home too. That, that's you know, always on the to cards, too. Hold on a
1: second, Todd. Talk oh. to the people.
3: All right, well, Hold basically, on. when Notre Dame gets this new schedule now, I think – it's going to be interesting too to see what sort of agreement came into place with NBC as well, because I know Dave Cutcliffe was not happy about the fact, and he's the head coach at Duke. He was not happy about the fact that okay, if they're going to join, if we're going to, if they're going to leech onto us, we should be seeing some of that NBC money as well. So I think that's also going to be another thing. That a lot of these ACC schools, they're, they're going to try to pry some of that NBC money out of Notre Dame as, as
1: a result of all of this. Yeah, that was going to be the original schedule at Navy was going to be the start in Dublin. But that's not happening now, clearly. Right. Mm-hmm. Arkansas was going to be at home, so Arkansas was going to come to Notre Dame. I wonder, was that going to be a home-and-home home? Uh, SEC team against Notre Dame? I wonder if that was a home-and-home home agreement. That feels like home a home-and-home, yeah. Um, Western Michigan, Wake Forest, Wisconsin, right in the, in the heart of that schedule, it was going to be very compelling. Wisconsin Notre Dame was going to be very interesting. October third, Stanford—that's eh. always a coin flip game, by the way. Even though it's going to be at it was going to be at Notre Dame, right? At Pittsburgh is a win. Duke—they're a little funky with the offense, but you know that was going to be a win. Clemson <laughs> on November seventh. Boy, oh, that, that game's still some... there. Yeah, that's, that is boy, that's going to be something. That, that'll tell a great story for both ball clubs. right. And that Ooh. game is in Clemson because I know some of
3: the locations got flipped around as, re- as a result of this season too. I got to look at that here, let me I got the tweet right here. Clemson is going to play Notre Dame in Notre Dame so, in South Bend.
1: Seventy five percent Clemson fans there. <laughs> just those, like it those fans are great. Have you ever been to Death Valley for for a
3: Clemson football game? I have not. Oh, that's that's a bucket list. That's Ooh. it's a good time. I, I recommend adding that to your your college football venture.
1: That is that is something. All right, so that's we just wanted to keep you abreast of that because that is people say, "Oh, you got to get to a conference." Okay, so and we saw the the schedule. It leaned ACC anyway, but now. The 11 games will be played over 13 weeks with two built in uh, bye weeks. The ACC Championship game will be played in Charlotte on either December 12th or the 19th and will feature the top te- uh, two teams with the highest w- conference winning percentages. Right. So one division now in the ACC. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's very compelling. But a a softer road for Notre Dame, I feel.
3: And remember, that extra game is important here because of the fact that when you bring Notre Dame into the ACC, you now have 15 teams. So you've got an uneven amount of teams, and you have to go back and forth with each other. It's like in basketball, how every weekend there's one ACC team who has that Saturday off because Notre Dame's a full-fledged member. Now you're going to have to make sure everyone can get that extra game. And for a lot of these teams, it's going to have to stay in state. And so that's tough you, for Notre Dame too, because Purdue and Indiana cannot play Notre Dame because of the Big Ten rules of how they're scheduling their their uh, layout for the season. What's your suggestion for the extra game? If it, since it's not going to be Navy, probably. Try. Well, they said, it might be. They're Navy. trying
1: to keep it. They're yeah. trying
3: again. They're, they're holding on for a thread there. But I would say, because you have to play a game. I don't. You don't want to leave it up to the fact that you couldn't schedule a game to be a, a big difference maker. But I would say. Maybe try for Ball State. I don't know what the Mac has done yet. I'd have to brush up on the Mac, but I think Ball State. I mean, that's a team that you've had relationships with in the past. I feel like that's the last sort of hope there.
1: We see what they're doing. Hold on a second, because I got the, just got the Phil Steele magazine. <laughs> just it just came in. That's my guy. Do You think I'll- any team would entertain
3: the idea of playing a home and home with Notre Dame for this year? Whereas you play a team twice, or maybe you yeah you'd have to play a team twice. But you'd also have to, then that means another team would not have their extra game schedule. Because, what was it, UNC was supposed to play, was it NC State or Wake, I think it was Wake Forest. But they Wake were playing Forest. a non-conference game, as even though there was two ACC opponents. I remember that was another thing that I think was supposed to happen. It happened maybe last year, and then it was supposed to happen every couple of years with UNC playing a non-conference game. In an ACs, against an ACC opponent,
1: I don't know what uh, I don't know what the max deal is as far as what they want to do with their fall schedule, Tyler. But Ball State's got Maine on September third at Michigan on the twelfth at Indiana on the nineteenth. Well, that
3: Michigan game and Indiana are now off the schedule because the Big Ten is playing conference only.
1: Yeah, I just so, just reading what the, open the original spots. was and against Wyoming on the twenty sixth of September. Um, boy, the Ball State really needs that money. They're not, not going to get it. But maybe they can get it from Notre Dame <laughs> for them coming to Notre Dame. Well, people are s-
3: picking off that NBC money now, too. That, this is just a giant whirlwind of problems. And I'm coming up with some of these problems on the spot here, too,
1: of the problems
3: that are going to persist with college sports this year.
1: All right, coming up, we will start summer football. Some thoughts from Matt Nagy as well as Ryan Pace. How do they see the 2020 uh, season for the Bears? We'll have that next right here on Under the Hood.
0: This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at Hood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. The summer of football. All you can ask
1: for is another opportunity to play this game. It burns
0: in me. On ESPN 1000. We
1: don't know how many we got. I don't know how many I got. Make it count, boys. Holmes. Flushed out again. Turning the corner.
0: Fires downfield. Touchdown, only Mahomes. You throw to score, you run to win. And here's Saquon Buckley, and it is off to the races. The 30, the 20, Saquon for six. The summer of football at eight. Oh, here's a quick throw to Miller. Good throw, touchdown. Oh, Baker Armstrong, run, book five. got time. Launching for the end zone. Jump Touchdown, Terrence Marshall. The Summer of Football with Jonathan Hood. Yeah,
1: that's
0: my dog. On Chicago's Home for Sports,
1: ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. It is the Summer of Football. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We have so much football. We're starting the Summer of Football right now. And we also go to Pro Football Focus and take a closer look at the Bears eight o'clock right here on ESPN One Thousand. Do you like this? You like this tweet here, Tyler? As we get start talking about the Bears, like this tweet from our guy Chris Spatola, Chris Spatola, who works for uh, SiriusXM, uh, the Big Twelve Network. He's, he says Notre Dame has to share its NBC money with fourteen ACC schools. Yeah. Whoever thought they could share. Thing? That's what it says here. For I love Chris it. Vitola. That's that's pretty I funny. Love well, I mean,
3: hey, I mean Notre Dame. They might have to just dig into the pockets, scrape out those pennies to try to pay uh, Ball State to come play a game.
1: So right, right here on the home of the Irish, ESPN One Thousand. Uh, so let's talk to the Bears. The uh, the Bears uh, had their press conference or Zoom conference today, and Matt Nagy and also Ryan Pace, the drum manager of the Bears. If you missed it, here's some thoughts from uh, Ryan Pace and from Matt Nagy. One of the questions was posed was, what are you doing to get your rookies ready?
4: That's some of the creativity that we as head coaches are going to have and how we want to handle practices because, let's face it, when we're in meetings, um, whether it's virtual or in person, you can create that. When you guys see our indoor complex of 120 yards of football field and you see how we're spaced out, you'll see it's, it 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 looks good and it feels great. When you're out of practice, you got huddles, you got you got position coaches trying to talk to their position groups on the sideline when they're not on the field and you got you want to have that competitive balance of 1v1, 2v2 and 3v3 in practice. So, the word risk mitigation, I think is big in all this, and the fact that anytime you can try to eliminate possibilities of not social distancing, you need to do it. When you're out there playing football, it's going to be hard to do. So, um, if there's times you can reduce those chances, um, I think you can do it. But for the most part, Stacy, we're going to com- competition is huge in this training camp. We can't fall away from that. So, one on ones. Uh, 11 on eleven, seven on sevens, just competing. Uh, And if if that means that, for instance, in the quarterback situation, in the quarterback room, um, as long as it's fair, they might be going, those quarterbacks might be going, throwing to the twos and the threes, but they're going to be doing it versus the same competition so we can evaluate that accordingly. But there will be some, I think every coach in the league is going to be different, and I don't know if anyone has the perfect answer, so we'll just have to see.
2: Adam Jones? Hey guys, uh, to, to go back to the, the quarterback conversation here for a little bit, how much did you track maybe their work that they put on themselves uh, this off season? I know Mitch, he changed private quarterbacks, coaches. Uh, I don't know what you know about Jeff Christensen. I know he's worked with Patrick Mahomes and others. What do you make of that work and how much did you track what Mitch and Nick Foles did uh, on their own?
4: Well, a lot of it, Adam, is um, tracking through our position coaches who they have a great relationship with. And, you know, between, uh, you know, Flip and and Bill and and, uh, and Rags and, and myself, um, we just have really good open communications and, and we understand that. And so all these guys, they have their own plans that they create and what they want to do. Obviously, you brought it up with, with Mitch, with what he did and uh, one thing that you see constant with these guys is that they're very committed to being the best quarterback they can be you need, we're, we're all kind of um, refocusing you know we all have our own stories from from last year and that thing's in the past now we're currently um, working together to to in each position to be the best we can so we have great communication with them and and uh, there's zero worry about um you know too much or too little jD
0: Hey, Matt, um, I know you mentioned again back to the quarterbacks. I know you said it's going to be wide open and these guys are going to come in clean, you know, evaluate every play, every throw. I just wonder with Foles, you know, not having the offseason program with the guys. Now we're getting going late here. No preseason games. It, it, It would seem like almost that he might have a bit of a disadvantage because he's not as familiar with the guys. It, how do you see that? Is, that? is that not true? I mean, do you really see him coming in here same exact footing as Mitch, despite not having been here before? Hey
4: Jeff. No. Yeah. So here's what I would say to that is I think for sure there's, a, it's an absolute um, uh, more of a disadvantage, not having what he could have had is building the relationship and probably more specifically, Um, is the timing with the wide receivers that you get in the OTAs where you can run route after route after route after route. You get to see and feel how guys time up their motions. So for sure that will be a disadvantage, something that he could have had that he doesn't have. But those guys know that. He understands that. And for both of them, um, you know, it's just going to be neither – neither one of them should go out there and try to do too much. You know, they just need to be themselves when they're out there, play football and let the results take care of themselves. Um, They're both really good people. So in the room, it's going to be really good there. Flip's going to do a great job fundamentally getting them right. But again, just like we talk 30,000 foot view of practice, um, Flip and those quarterbacks are going to have to be really good in regards to, um, you know, what we do offensively what we're working on, making sure that it's, it's uh, things that we really feel good about using down the road because that time got crunched. So, um, yeah, he, he could, you know, Nick knows that. He's a smart guy. and it's uh, But at the same time, I think he'll be hungry to get back out there and just really get on the field and try to build those relationships up that he lost.
2: Caitlin? Matt, kind
4: of going off of that, you said you don't want them to think about overthink it what's your message to the rookies that maybe are kind of anxious for the fact that they're not going to have a preseason they're not going to get these reps they want to do too much they want to make an impression what is kind of your message and how do you not calm them down but kind of give them this assurance that they're here for a reason and they can still
2: kind of show you what they're capable of doing
4: yeah hi caitlin i think um with the the rookies They realize that, that the one thing they heard from all of our guest speakers and people coming in that were giving them advice throughout the offseason is if there's one time, one season to know the playbook inside out, it's 2020. And so um, they don't have preseason games to go out there and make plays and show us uh, a play or two that that we see. They don't have that now. So now they're going to have to do it in practice. Well, the one way to handle that, is to understand that, again, if you try to do too much or if we paralyze them mentally because we're giving them too much that they can't think, if they're thinking on that field, that's our fault as coaches. We have to be able to evaluate. And they're, just the way it is right now with with um, with these teams, there's going to be, with no preseason games, there's going to be players that get cut that probably shouldn't get cut. And that's where I think Ryan – and our, our personnel staff has a really big challenge ahead of them, along with the other ones in the league, to find who those guys are. And, and um, you know, hopefully we're on the end of keeping the right ones and not getting rid of them. But it's just it's going to be harder for us. But we'll, we feel prepared for it. And I think right now from what our rookies have shown us in the last couple of days um, in these walkthroughs, I've come away pretty impressed with um, the way that they're, they've taken the Zoom meetings and transferred them to the, to the football field.
2: Mark Potash? Matt, uh,
4: just curious. Uh, once you have a winner in the quarterback competition, how long will the leash be? And how, how delicate is that balance to not have the winner you know, looking over his shoulder but still being prepared to kind of cut bait if need be, as the Bears did with Glennon? And, and for Ryan, real quick, if I could ask,
0: what influence will you have on a quarterback competition, especially with regard to the final decision?
4: Yeah, Mark. So I'd say in regards to the with the quarterback, so number one, this is a – it's a seasonal process. So, what I mean by that is that uh, obviously we're going to have to name a, a starter at some point. Um, we as a staff internally will discuss that and how we want to go about that. Um, and then, when you name that starter, you, you, you obviously want that starter in a perfect world to be able to go win a Super Bowl. Um, but you, there's so many different things that can happen, especially this season. So, um, we understand that. And I think at the forefront of us, of being open and honest with them, we explain that, hey, if you're a real professional in this thing, um, both as a player and for us as coaches, we communicate to them that you you better be prepared for every situation, right? How do you prepare mentally? Because that's a big part of this. So you can take two guys and you can say, okay, player A is the starter, player B is the backup, right? How does that go going into week one? If I'm player B, what is my mind like going into that? Because I'm one play away. Well, if, I'm, if it's flipped and player B is the starter and player A is the backup, how's my mindset right now going into the season to week one? Well, there's a lot of games that are played. So um, our, those guys are both wired the right way. And when you're open with them and you explain that stuff and you don't hide anything, you just tell them how it is, it's pretty simple. Uh, and, and now it's just a matter of having a feel and knowing. And we'll have a, we'll have a nice little plan and how we want to evaluate here in training camp, and then also how do we evaluate fairly, right, during the season in the games? Because as we all know, um, you know, there's way more to, speaking of quarterbacks, there's way more to playing football than just the quarterback position. There's 10 other players on that field. So what goes into making that decision? Yeah, Mark, just to kind of add on to what Matt said, I think you know, understanding there's going to be ebbs and flows to the evaluation and you know, it's gonna be an evaluation of the entire process, not not just each practice. And I think
1: letting it play out naturally, letting it come to us. And the good thing with, with Matt, it's, it's constant dialogue, constant communication, constant collaboration between
4: him and I and his coaching staff and the personnel staff. So like everything we do, it'll be a collaborative decision. And I think what makes it easy is just our constant communication that Matt and I have. And you know, one thing Mark, one other thing, um you know, we talk as coaches and we play scenarios out too. Uh, we're, we're just like everybody else. And you say, well, the one thing we're going to do is if we have however many practice padded practices it is or how many total practices you have in competitive periods, as we're going through this thing, if one of the quarterbacks is stinking it up and he's, he's playing like crap, we're going to tell you you're playing like crap, right? And if you're playing really well, we're, and, and we're going to tell you that in front of the other one, they're both going to know when someone's playing good and someone's playing good, or someone's playing bad and someone's playing bad, they're going to know that. And so, when the time comes that we inevitably need to make a decision, trust me, it's not going to be a surprise to them.
1: Shouldn't uh, it's interesting? Some thoughts from Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace—a collaborative effort. I believe the head coach should be able to, as a former quarterback himself and as a former offensive coordinator, shouldn't he be have full autonomy on the? decision to have Trubisky or Foles to be the guy. Why is it always got to be Pace? Pace could be part of it, but I don't know. I don't believe in the collaborative effort. I think that should come to Nagy and the offensive coaches. But hey, that's just me. Summer of football with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. This is Under the
0: Hood. This is me. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
1: We'll continue our summer of football and go to Pro Football Focus and really take a look at what. The Bears could be like for 2020, especially the quarterback position, the running back position, the offensive line. We'll break all that down coming up at eight o'clock as we continue on our summer of football super size edition right here on ESPN one thousand. Like to remind you, tomorrow we'll have the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. Of course it happens at six o'clock right after Waddle and Sylvie every night right here on ESPN one thousand. And tomorrow I will be working with Chris Bleck. Black and I will be together as we count down the minutes to the return, the restart of the NBA season. So Crystal and I will be able to give you a little bit of a preview and what to expect for the upcoming NBA season. They're in that bubble in Orlando, and the numbers are minuscule, almost zero when it comes to positive tests with COVID-19. I've been watching some of those scrimmage games, and you know what it reminds me of? Tyler, you know what it is? It looks like Summer League. That no. You know Summer League has has some people in it. No, it looks like, like a the G League showcase. Okay. You ever see that in Vegas where like there's yep. nobody there mm-hmm. and it's just big screens? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looks like to me. Like the G League showcase or so or some of the G League teams that don't have any fans but they do have, you know, a place for guys to play. You know, So it's it's really relaxed atmosphere, but it's going to ratchet up here pretty soon starting tomorrow uh, with the NBA season. So Black and I will have that for you starting at 7 uh, during this time, as a matter of fact, right here on ESPN 1000. More of the summer of football. What can we expect for the Bears for 2020? Find out next right here on UTH.